Professor Louise Sue, the Chief Medical Officer of the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America. Welcome to Cocoa Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation and a Maternal Mortality and Morbidity Reduction Academy podcast. So, Professor Sue, I want to ask some serious questions. What are the rates and the risks of women becoming very sick or dying among birthing people with sickle cell disease? The shocking information is that the maternal mortality risk for a woman with sickle cell disease for pregnancy is something like 26 times higher than for a non-Black pregnant woman, and 10 times higher than for a Black pregnant woman without sickle cell disease. There is generally some problems with different organs. Uh, The lungs, the kidneys are particular ones that cause difficulty or they're under strain during pregnancy. Um, The lungs, because you're not breathing as deeply, because diaphragm is pushed up because of big belly. Um, And acute chest syndrome is the gigantic problem that can cause death in pregnancy for women with sickle cell disease. But another problem is the kidneys. The kidneys in sickle cell are often affected. And kidneys during the pregnant period have to do like 50 times more, twice as much work as they did before pregnancy. Now, if your kidneys were already kind of not so great because of sickle cell and they're put on this load, then it becomes harder to cope with things. And so conditions that have to do with the kidneys, such as eclampsia, preeclampsia, those become magnified and bigger, bigger risks in sickle cell disease. And then you also have uh, the heart is strained. And on top of this is possibly that the medicines that were keeping the woman with sickle cell disease stable before pregnancy, some of them might need to get stopped during pregnancy because they're potentially hazardous during pregnancy. And then pain medicine, some of the pain medicines that are given will cross over into baby. So you have lots of different things that the support that was keeping this woman in good shape with her sickle cell disease might all of a sudden have to get modified during the pregnancy. But really on top of that is the U.S. problems with race and with Black women with pregnancy having, you know, something like two and a half, three times higher the rates of problems, including death, compared to non-Black women. That is tied into bias, uh, access disparities, poverty, all kinds of things. As young ladies get older and consider fertility and pregnancy. So I ask the question, what is the urgent need for improved transition practices to prepare adolescents and young adults for adult-centered care in sickle cell disease, looking from a global perspective? The biggest thing is probably getting ready, <laughs> getting the adolescent ready. The If a person has sickle cell disease, they're most often diagnosed in the 
as a baby. And the baby is under the care of parents. The parents learn about sickle cell disease, learn how to take care of sickle cell disease, learn what to do for sickle cell disease. And the child is sort of on the receiving end of all this. But as you become an adolescent and into adulthood, then all of a sudden it becomes the individual, the, the patient's responsibility. Anybody who's met a teenager, uh, it's a turbulent time. And then you kind of come to your senses, quote unquote, come to your senses somewhere in your 20s uh, as you become more mature and have better judgment. Talking about how normal red blood cells are more round and smooth and flexible and they can move through blood vessels. If in, if you have sickle cell disease, it'll become, instead of this round shape, it'll become more like this, wow. curved, elongated, maybe pointy at the ends, and it's shaped more like a banana. Avoiding infections is important also, so you don't get this stickiness. Okay, so the other thing we talk about that's relevant to maternal health is the idea that sickle cell disease is a genetic condition. And so when you are thinking about having babies, then you need to know that your genes will be passed along to baby. If both of these parents have knowledge of their sickle cell status, then they would know what's inside of them. Is there a difference bone marrow transplant, stem cell transplant, and how do these procedures help sickle cell disease? How does these different kinds of transplants work? So that the general idea is that if you have your own bone marrow cells, that's where the red blood cells are made. And if they have the DNA message for making sickle red blood cells, then all the cells they make will be sickle red blood cells. You can take medicines to make it less severe. You can get transfusions to dilute them, but they're still making sickle red blood cells. However, if you have the bone marrow cells from somebody else that has a different DNA message, sickle trait or not sickle at all, then those cells would not have the sickle cell disease problems. And so that would be a cure. And so one way to do this is with a bone marrow transplant where the bone marrow is pulled from the donor. Missing out on the medicine on the weekends when they're with the grandmother and they're getting it the other days of the week with the mother. So eventually we're going to try to get the grandmother to talk to us. So trust and information are big ongoing uh, efforts. And some of the things that we're trying to do both in the United States and in Nigeria, is work with community organizations and community health workers. In uh, Nigeria, there's community health extension workers who have a magnificent role of <laughs> trying to really spread lots of different information at an extremely local level and be the front line for lots of health things, maternal child health stuff, malaria stuff, uh, HIV AIDS stuff and then monitor maybe growth and nutrition too. Uh, in the United States, community health workers could go places that I can't go. So I'm wearing a coat and a tie. By the way, my tie, I don't know if you can see it. It's a red pills on it, yes. This tie <laughs> is out of print. I have to make some more. Um, but this look doesn't really get me into some neighborhoods. <laughs> on the west side of Chicago or the south side of Chicago, I will stand out like crazy, even without the hat. But I have community health worker friends 
who we give the same messages and information. We might teach them some of these sort of visual aids or just convey the same information in a way that's more relatable, as well as being able to know where is the community center, where's the the key lady who can get you entrance into this group or you know the authoritative figure. If he approves of it, then the community understands that it's okay. Uh, so stuff like that we're trying to work on. And then finally, there's lack of education among different doctors and nurses, where some people are stuck in what they learned 25 years ago, 30 years ago, before all this progress happened. Or they have racial bias about sickle cell patients because they're Black, or they have bias about patients because they're poor, or bias, they just don't understand pain or something like that. So we're trying to do lots and lots of healthcare provider education. And some of those are in large groups, like 600. (laughs) Some of them are going to be with skits. Some are using different online modules and things to try to spread the word as many different ways as we can. That's what happens after (laughs) the New England Journal of Medicine phase three clinical trial publication and the FDA approval. There's still work to be done. And this is called dissemination implementation science, which is extremely cool. Thank you. You know, like you said, we want to raise awareness. We want to provide information and share experiences about this condition that causes a constant shortage of red blood cells. For our listeners, please post your comments or questions at birthcenterfoundation.com. Like we've been talking about, sickle cell disease is a significant public health concern everywhere, and especially in pregnancy and in low-resource situations. For example, the country of Nigeria has been reported to have the highest burden of the disease in the world. According to estimates, Nigeria has over 100,000 babies born with sickle cell disease every year. And the majority of these births occur in low-income families. And you have talked a lot about the things that can be done in situations like this to battle the condition. But please talk one more time about pre-marriage, young people trying to, you know, get married, have babies, you know, what should they be talking about with respect to prevention of sickle cell disease in their offspring? Yeah, I think it basically starts with awareness that you actually know what your genotype is, know know what your sickle cell gene status is. Uh, So first for the life expectancy, in the United States, the latest data that we had was something in the mid 40s. So something like 45, which has not changed very much in the last 10, 15 years. In vitro fertilization pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. Okay, so the idea for that pre-implantation genetic diagnosis would be that the uh, egg and sperm are put together in the lab. The mom and dad give their egg and sperm outside the body in the lab. They're put together and some embryos are formed 
and then several of them are growing up. And then when they get to the cell stage of something like 16 cells, I think, one cell is plucked from that embryo to be tested for its genetics. And when the genetic test is related to sickle cell, it'd be to find out which of these embryos has sickle cell SS, which have sickle trait, which have no sickle at all. And depending on the situation, you pick which embryo goes into the mom womb to be allowed to grow up. Couldn't stand <laughs> the spiciness of Nigerian food. It was very, it was very exciting. <laughs> it was a little bit painful too. Keep on raising awareness. Global Sickle Cell Awareness Day, June 19th, every year. Shine the light for sickle cell. So we have been talking to Professor Louis L. Sue, MD, PhD, professor at University of Illinois at Chicago, and the chief medical officer of the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America. <music> <laughs>